back. Pulls up for three. Boom! Knocks it down. Curry from the corner at three. Puts it in. For overtime. Makes it. Garrett. Hello and welcome for me, Mark Woods, to the latest edition of the MVP cast, back for a new series in 2021 with some great guests and in-depth chat on the way. We are still, as ever, brought to you in association with Total Environmental Compliance. Check out their consultancy services for a whole range of environmental issues at tecompliance.co.uk. If you like the podcast, of course, please hit the subscribe button, then you won't miss a single episode. And we are, of course, to launch our new, exciting MVP mail newsletter this month. Lots of exclusive content on a regular basis. Sign up for that at mvp247.com. So let's tip off 2021 with a terrific guest, one of the best players in the BBL, a whirlwind guard who once ran free in the land of the Giants, but is now rising again in the BBL as a member of the Cheshire Phoenix. Mike McCall Jr., welcome to the MVP cast. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. I mean, we can't get away from it. These are interesting times to be... Don't be anywhere really, let's be honest about it. It's been an interesting time to be a player in, in the BBL. How is this whole COVID experience and you know games changes you guys have lost, games already from cancellations and everything? What's it like for you? It's been tough, man, for the whole league, not for just myself, but every individual in the league. Um, it's been games cancelled, uh practice cancels and um just the whole routine um as far as games goes. Uh we have to you know, wearing masks and um, uh, putting hand sanitizer on every every second, every minute, every <laughs> ten. That's getting kind of annoying, but safety's first, so I understand absolutely. But um, going to different venues, we have to take longer routes to get to the court, and it's just it's just been a headache. But it's something we have to do in order to stay safe. But it's definitely been very tough for um, for myself and everyone else. I'm pretty sure. What's the, the sort of mental challenge like when you, as has happened to you guys, I think at least once, if not twice, you, you've gone you know, all week, you're prepping for a game, you know, you're watching tape, you're getting through plays, you're getting ready, and then 24 hours beforehand, game off. Oh, man, it sucks. Um, because the whole week, like you said, we've been preparing for teams. Um, and then when it get close to game time, guys get excited to play. And when you get the news and saying the game is canceled, you're just like, oh, like we got to take that time out if it's isolating or if it's just sitting back waiting what the news is going to be for our next game. Um, it's just tough because every, every guy here wants to play. and um, So if a game's council, practice council, it just kind of like breaks us a little bit. But um, that's something we just have to deal with. I mean, you, you're very much a family guy. You can see that from social media. You are two yeah, year old yeah. two year old daughter, Brielle, and you your partner and they're they're both back home in the States at the moment. And you know, normally there may be that opportunity to, you know, pop back maybe once during the year or you know, for some players, you know, they would normally bring their families with them. Does it does it feel like more of a sacrifice that you're making this year to be away from home in, in this kind of situation? Yeah, it does. Um, especially like by you saying I have a um daughter and family so of course being away from them is tough any year um and this this season actually feels longer because i actually started off in luxembourg mm. and they um they canceled the season so um coming here was like my second um move and it's just coming here on um, the season continuing on um which is good still but even though it still has been cancellations and stuff like that but just going to a whole different country um, it just seems the season's just been even longer, um, me being away. 
my plan was to go home for Christmas, but it didn't work out because the schedule didn't fit. Um, and the whole quarantine situation, I had to do that, so it wasn't able to work out. So that kind of kind of sucked a little bit, but um, got to do what I got to do. But um, I FaceTime as much as I can, even though that's not enough as far as being around. But like I said, it's just something you have to deal with at the moment. What sort of routine did you did um, did you bring storybooks with you to read from this side? You said that I bring story. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Yes, sorry. yeah. Did you bring storybooks with you to read from from here back over FaceTime? Um, I don't actually. I just um, I watch a lot of Netflix, man. Just relax and. I mean, um, I don't know. I'll answer that question again. I don't know. I mean, what's the, what's the routine with your daughter? Did you bring storybooks for kids that you could read to her over FaceTime? Oh yeah, we um yeah sort of like that um and um when I get on the phone where we sing like some of our favorite songs and stuff like from our TV shows and and um uh I don't know we just uh just like to goof around the, uh, on the phone time to time and just love love to see her smiling man so just gotta do some things like that. It's an interesting few weeks back in in the homeland. I just got to ask how how's your mood with uh with the new president coming in. Yeah, yeah, that's been all over the place. Um, I mean, um, either way, it's been tough for me. Uh, the voting system is uh, voting for Trump or Biden, but um, it's it's just been all over the place, especially just what happened with the um, with the whole capital situation, and which is which is crazy. Um, it's a crazy world we're living in, man. And um, with the COVID and then this going on, it's just all over the place. And yet you move from one country and the, the brink of chaos to another country, which is quite brave. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, I mean, you mentioned about starting the season with it with Contern, with uh, you know, coach, yeah, of course, yeah. by a friend of the show, Gavin Gavin Love. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. What did that feel like? You know, because you know everyone knew going abroad this year there would be a certain risk factor, but you're four games in. And the rug is pulled, and they say right season off. I mean, that must have been pretty traumatizing to to be caught in that situation. Oh man, um, I was because I was very excited just to um, start um, the season off and contouring in Luxembourg and um, Coach Gavin, which is a great guy, great coach. The team was good. Um, I got along with the guys very well, um, and we was actually the season was going on good, and then we just got the news. Um, that they was going to postpone the season, which was heartbreaking because everybody was looking forward to playing the games and stuff like that. And um, we were steady getting delays on what they were going to do with the season. And, um, yeah, like I said, it was kind of heartbreaking for me, man, because I was I was really loving Luxembourg and I was looking forward to finishing the season up there as well. But things happen for a reason, I guess. I mean... Cheshire come along just at the right time. Obviously, you've got a comfort level from from your season with Manchester two years ago. Would you think, would you have gone anywhere in the world at that situation for another job? Or would it have had to be in a situation where you had a certain degree of comfort? Uh, to be honest, it was a, um, it was the only team at the time that was available. So um, I kind of went with that. Um, but like I said, the BBL is a good league. I enjoy playing here. Um, great players. Um, it's a great atmosphere, even though the fans wasn't able to come around like um, because of COVID, even though we had a couple games with the fans. But like I said, this league is it's great, very underrated, very um, appreciated. Um, I can't remember many fans at Cheshire were allowed in exactly, but that 
if, if we if we take away the playing in front of no fans, that must have been the smallest number of fans that you've played in front of ever, maybe? For sure, yeah, it definitely was. But it was, it's always good to get some people in there because with no fans at all, it's just, it's just a weird feeling, man. It's just very weird. But just to have some fans in there, it was, it was good, I thought. Talk about the season so far, because obviously it was a strange start for Phoenix with the cup and players being isolating and couldn't play, and yeah, your few wins early on. It's been tough going. What do you, what do you guys feel you're at as a team? It was a strange situation. Me coming and um, playing right away. Actually, I, I didn't think I was going to play right away as I did, and coming and the coach Ben told me that the guys had to isolate because of the COVID. So it was I was out there with a couple guys that played um, in a. And we had a coach on the floor with us as well. <laughs> and, um, and it's crazy. My first game back, I played against the team I played with the last time I was here. So I thought that was pretty um, strange as well, too. But uh, when I first got here, I was just trying to get into the flow of things um, with the players, with the coach, with the system, and just get back to playing and stuff like that. And um, it's just been tough, man. Um, I think this team been dealing with the most since in the BBL all year so far. So just been battling a lot of things so far for sure one of the most exciting things though early season in this league has been your partnership with karan ross and you know that you're both pretty quick you can both do lots of things in the floor you can you can both make a real difference how's how's the rapport between you two built so quickly karan's a good guy man good player very professional um and i think we gained the chemistry about it since the time I've been here, uh, on and off the court, we kind of like every game. Uh, we kind of picking up what each other like to do, where we at on the floor, how we like to play, and I think that chemistry got a lot stronger. I think uh, we're both very professional and we're both very unselfish as well. I think that's why we get along so good, and uh, we don't really mind who who takes what shot, and we kind of like always on the same page. Like you said, two guys that can score, make plays for themselves. And um, just got that toughness about him, man, and don't mind taking the last shot. Is there a sort of bonding experience? Because a lot of you, you guys share a, you know, a place together and stuff. I mean, it's obviously you're not allowed to go anywhere. It's I imagine life is not the most exciting for well, for any player at the moment, as it is for any of us. But you know, is there a bit of bonding there that probably is different to previous seasons when you've played abroad? Yeah, I mean... Um... We we go out to um some of the restaurants when they're open and uh get something to eat or sometime in the house. We have like a big living room where we sit down and watch some of the NBA games and just chill back and uh relax and talk about the game and players and stuff like that. Listen to some music sometimes and just just, just chill. Do you have group film sessions in, in the house or is that purely a business thing? Um, with the team we do like the Zoom calls, um, because um, where we usually watch film, they closed it down because of the lockdown. So we kind of um, have to do like the Zoom, the Zoom call with the team. So yeah, that's how we get the film in. With with prepping for games, you know, obviously it is that group experience, and you know, you guys have to switch your, your training venue and everything like that. And does it is is there more importance on individual preparation this year? Both game study both that mental aspect for and yeah, and I guess some of the physical aspects as well. Um, when we're like preparing for team, it's kind of like we try to try to like uh, prepare to a T, try to get every team down individually, team. Um, we try to go over just 
like I said, every every player's strength, weaknesses. So by the time game comes, we can know um, what to do. It's kind of like we just go over everything um, so every guy can be on the same page. Who's the funniest guy in this year's team? We all have different personalities, which I think <laughs> is why we get along so well. Everybody has um, – every, I think every guy on this team is uh, funny. Um, like I said, got the different personalities. So I think that's a great thing to have on the team. Let's go back 20, 29 and a half years. You're a, you're a Chicago guy. You, you, it's, it's a city that's got such a, I guess it's a basketball city. It's a basketball town. What's, sure. what's it mean to you to be part of that Chicago hoop scene? It means a lot. Um, I, think, I think it's the best basketball player in the world. I mean, we have the best basketball players, period. Um, and I don't want to be cocky or anything. It's just me personally because I played in different cities around the world and stuff like that if you come to chicago you can just i don't know you can just feel that it's a basketball city there's so much talent there it's it's crazy um uh me coming back home and playing like in the summer leagues and programs and stuff like that it's just it just so it just shows how much talent we have just competing every game against each other and stuff like that and the culture just it just grows grows every every year so it feels good for me to be a part of it because i know how much talent is there and to be a part of it means a lot but when you when you grew up you you weren't as much of a, a kind of team guy as i understand i mean your dad mike senior took you out to parks and he gave you lots of drills i mean he, you know, was what was your route into into developing as a player when you know, was it was it all about dad yeah um he used to we used to get up early in the morning and go to the parks and we used to run the tracks and stuff like that and there was a gym um, not too far from my house. We used to go and work individually, do a lot of cone drills and get a lot of shots up. Uh, used to play a lot of one-on-one and stuff like that. Um, just trying to build the mental toughness in me because he was a lot older, stronger. So he was trying to get that uh, built into me and stuff like that. So it was a lot of individual work between me and him. What was his background in basketball? Uh, he played um, high school. Um, didn't really play in college, I think when he had me at the time, I think that's when he started to um, stop and focus more on, you know, raising me as a child and trying to, when I got older, then he tried to teach the game to me and the knowledge and stuff like that. I know your mom was a big inspiration as well. What, what was her role in all of this? Uh, my mom's a fighter. I think that's, uh, she never gave up. Um, even when times was tough. I mean, she just never gave up. She works really hard. Um, to this day, even though I'm a lot uh, older now and I can really take care of myself, but she's always seemed to be there uh, every time. And she just shows love, man. Um, like I said, she's always there for me since day one. I can always count on her. So she's she's definitely a motivation to me while I do what I do every day. And, um, and she's um, the reason that I fight and get up every day. She's the reason why. With, with a lot of players, there's... Yeah, particularly where there's a parent involved who's willing to put in the time and the effort to to kind of help their development in the sport, there's there can often be a push from a very early age to to compete and shine on teams in high school or whatever. But you didn't really take basketball that seriously until later on. Yeah, I know I was a kid, so I was I just. <laughs> I just I was just like wanting to be a kid and like I played sports but as far as taking them serious no like I played baseball and stuff like that 
and I played basketball a lot, like the most, but I didn't take it like, I wish I would have known um, at a younger age, because I know a lot of guys who played like very younger than me, played in leagues, had trainers and stuff like that. I didn't have that. I had my dad, but he wasn't like a real trainer. Um, so I didn't really know um, a lot how serious it was, and I didn't know how good I was going to be until I actually started to work at it and stuff like that. But um, the time I took it serious, I'm glad um, I had the, the opportunity to play for my high school coaches who introduced AAU to me and high school basketball and colleges and stuff like that. So I was gifted with that. What was the light bulb moment where you kind of realized or maybe heard someone say and took it in and thought, yeah, they're right, that, yeah, this could be either a route into college or maybe even a career option? Um, when I was told, I was still in shock because, like I said, I didn't know. <laughs> but <laughs> I really didn't. Uh, I thought just basketball was just for fun, for real. I didn't really know the pro professional aspect of it and stuff like that. But if people keep telling you the same thing, it have something have to be true, right? And have to take in the opportunity to do so. So I started to work at it and um and hopefully here I am now. You end up going to the University of St. Louis and mm -hmm. you know, a great run there. I mean three three trips to the tourney, you know, lots of you know stats, you know, approaching records, all that kind of things. But one thing that that stands out in the middle of that experience. You know, your head coach, Rick Majerus, who's you know, a legend of college basketball. People remember him particularly from his time at Utah, but you know, one of the greats, but sadly passes away mid-season. And you know, players form very strong bonds with, with head coaches generally, in, particularly in college. You know, for you, what was that experience like in terms of, I guess, shaping how you looked at things? Um, not just me individually, it hurt everybody in the in the community, St. Louis community. Um, we actually found out uh, that he was getting very, very sick and uh, he was missing practices and some games and stuff like that. And Coach Majerus is always around, so it started to be like kind of noticeable and missing and stuff like that. So uh, it was it was it was actually a game day we found out he passed away. And um, that whole game, every, you could tell it bothered like everybody on the court and, and the staff. When we actually had to play the game, we actually ended up winning the game. But after the game, it was just so quiet. Everybody was just like, this is the guy that he's the reason why we were here. Like he got us all here and now he's gone. So, And this, this is mid-season, like you say. So we actually had to finish the season, which was very hard for us um, that, that season. So like I said, it hurt it. It didn't only hurt me, but it hurt everybody else as well. Um, he's a great guy. Like you say, he's a legend. Um, a great mind for the game. Taught me a lot to this day. He really changed me as a basketball player. So I thank him a lot. Rest in peace, Coach Majerus, for sure. I mean, when I was reading about that, I mean, the thing that stood out for me is that, I don't know if it's the right phrase, but they made you guys play that night. I mean, emotionally, yeah. I mean, most players would, just couldn't. You know, how how did you guys get through playing what was you know, probably the most difficult contest that you'd ever have to go into? We were already on playing it. We were already it was already pregame, um, and they came in and made the an announcement. And like I said, we started off slow actually. Like the team got the best of us um, at the start of the game, 
and we actually picked it up, and we all just came to ourselves and said, let's do it for Coach. You know what I mean? Let's finish the game off strong. Let's get this win, and uh, we end up getting a W. So from the start, it actually shows, like, that it would, like I said, bothered us really, like, really bad, and and we just had to fight through it and get through it, so. Sum up, I mean, the college experience for you. Because, you know, you, you go to a college, you know, you weren't hugely recruited, but you end up in a great situation with, you know, a great coach. And, you know, you, you play well and people recognize you've done well. I mean, but, you know, what's the level of satisfaction that you took from your time there? Um, college, college is the best experience ever, man. The greatest time ever. Um, probably the best team I ever played on, to be honest. Hard working. Um brotherhood um guys that wanted to win guys that give it their all to win um just the community as a as a whole um, i love it there i can definitely call it a second home for sure i won championships won a lot of games broke records it was a great time man. i miss it very much so you went out of college and and you take a route which is you know, increasingly prevalent now as you go into the the g league with with iowa and you play 29 games. The opportunities are reasonably limited in terms of playing time and opportunities. And, you know, for most people who go into the G League, you know, it's, it's the dream of the, the next dream. It's the dream of getting the call up to the NBA. It's the you know, dream of putting yourself in the spotlight. When you're in a, a situation like that where, you know, you're kind of, as the season goes on, you kind of know that it's, there's, not, there's not a big role coming your way and it's probably not going to be the showcase that you would have liked. And did, did that feel, that situation, that it was still worth your time? Uh, it was tough for me because I was a rookie at the time too, so I know I had to work really hard in order to get the opportunity to play and stuff like that. And I know how tough it is to get call-ups and make it to the league itself. Um, I had a lot of good players on the team as well playing behind, but... I just looked at it as a learning experience for me. Try to learn as much as I can being at that level. Uh, at the time, me being the youngest on the team, and, um, I kind of knew my role. So it was kind of disappointing because I, I really wanted to play a lot more. But as uh, the season went on, I knew my role and I knew the position I was in. I had to just wait for the opportunity. So um, definitely learned the best from that. I mean, it's a league, before it was called the G League, obviously, it was called the, the D League as a developmental. Did, did you feel you were developed there? I mean, you know, what, how, how much of a development did that give you as opposed to just, you know, hoping that your shot might come somewhere else? Like, like I said, I did learn a lot, actually, because it was, it was a lot of good veterans on that team that taught me um, a few pointers and stuff like that to help me advance my game a little bit. Um, on both ends of the floor, and like I said, my next job, I just took those whatever I learned from that and brought it to that, and um, and just try to bring it to the court from there. So, you've you've had a few cracks overseas since since then, and the the, the most interesting one in the resume after that year was you go to Ecuador. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, people over here would have huge amount of idea about South American basketball and what the state of play is obviously we see the success of argentina etc but the actual leagues a bit unknown describe what it's like to play in ecuador uh, it was very different uh nobody really spoke english which was different for me i had a um, translator the whole time so uh that was very different i had to adapt <laughs> to as well <laughs> the food of course uh, 
the environment was different for me. It was very hot the whole time. You know, I come from Chicago, so it's, you know, the change, <laughs> season change is very cold there. And then it's obviously hot in the summertime, but it was hot the whole time I was there. So that was kind of like different for me. I thought the toughest thing was just to, um, nobody speak really um, good English. Um, and just playing in a different league. That was my actually my first year playing overseas, which was actually different as well. Um, so it was a lot of things I had to adapt to. Was that your first time out of the country? It was. It so, was. Hard. so there's always going to be a situation mm -hmm. where you find yourself in where you thought, oops, what, what can you recall about it there? Being overseas is tough. Um, <laughs> it's very tough. Um, it definitely got easier by me playing all these years overseas. I've been in different places, so I kind of know how to like go by things now um, than I did a couple years ago. Um, which is good, like as far as cooking, getting around, learning how to communicate, different apps and stuff like that. I didn't know any of that my first year, so. Um, but now it comes so much easier to, for me. And you you came back home for a little bit of period of time, and you played for the Chicago Storm, and that's in the ABA. Now, yeah, as any one of any student of basketball history would know, will remember, the ABA was the league that merged with the with the NBA at one point. You know, the red, white, and blue ball where Doctor Doctor J played. It's a kind of, it's a very much a different kind of league now, and you know, most of us, including myself, don't really know a lot about it. What's the setup like there? Um, it's the um, rules is definitely different. Um, you know, we play with a different ball, of course. Um, it's kind of like the only um, rule I'll say is different. It's um, it's called like um, 3D. So if you get like <laughs> a, uh, if the other team gets like a steal and they score, they get three points, which is very weird to me at the time <laughs> I played because that that was actually pretty new to me. So I was like, what? But um. That's only, I think it's pretty much the same by it's being in the States. That's the only thing that's different, the States and then the 3D rule. But it's basketball at the end of the day. So, um, like I said, that was something new to me as well. The only thing was I was just back home with my family. So, Is that quite nice? Because you, you, know, you play away at college. It's not that far from Chicago, but it's still a you know, decent drive. Is it nice to have a chance to play as a pro in front of your family? Yeah, because in the summertime, they come... Um, when I'm back home playing, they come to almost every game anyway. So having them there in the stands is pretty like an every game thing. Um, so me being away is like it's tough, tough for me. So back when I played with the Steam, um, they came to almost every game. So just having them there is just a great feeling, and just to play in front of them is always good. Yeah, that season two years ago in in, in Manchester, you know, great year, really fun team. Then you go to Hungary last year to play for Vesprami. Top five score in the Hungarian league, which is a decent league. Season's going well. And then, of course, coronavirus ends the season. You know, everyone was, in different ways, kind of having to rapidly readjust. What What was the situation like for you over there? Uh, it was my first year in hun Hungary. Um, I heard a lot of good things about the league, so I was excited to play there. Um, it was a good league, good players. Um, I actually had some good games there as well. Um, the guys was um, cool. Um, the living over there was very good. I thought. Um, I thought I enjoyed it. I thought it was uh, very nice. Was it? Was it tough towards the end though? When you're kind of 
I guess, waiting to see what's going to happen. You know, is it going to shut down? Now I'm going to get home. You know, how do you, yeah. how do you cope with that situation? It's always tough. You don't really know like what's going to happen. You're just sitting there thinking <laughs> what's going on. It's always a tough situation. It's just something you have to, I don't know, pray for and deal with at the same time because, I mean, we all go through things. Um, if it's negative or positive, um, it's just a way of responding to it and then just got to keep moving on. But like I said, things happen for a reason. So When things like that get tough, where there is those moments of adversity, who do you lean on for, you know, for advice or, or wise words, apart from obviously your partner? I kind of, I kind of like call, like you said, my partner. Or I can always um, talk to her about things like that. Um, she always have the um, the right words to say, and of course, my mom, my sister. Um, them two always is always there for me. I always know what to say, and they always lean on me um, by saying the right things. So I can always count on those three to definitely um, give me some words of encouragement and just to stay stay on top of things and keep God first and stuff like that. You mentioned being a bit more grown up now and your mom still looks out for you, but you, you're turning 30 this year. Now, we, we could ask you, what's the big plan to celebrate? But we know there's no point making any plans at the moment to do anything right now. But how, how would you grade the first 30 years of, of this very varied life? Um, I think I had a great... Um, 29 years going into my 30 years. I've been blessed, man. Coming from where I came, um, it's very hard to make it to this age, to be honest. And um, that's a guy that's been playing the sport that he loved, going to school, getting his degree, graduating, being safe. Um, I now have my own um, home. I have a healthy child, um, very healthy family. Um, a great big supporting family. Um, uh, like I said, I've been blessed. Um, I can't complain at all, man. I'm just happy uh, to be in this position that I am now. Hopefully, that goes on. Um, forever. I know it's not going forever, but as far as the God among me on this earth, so I'm definitely um blessed for sure. When you when you you say there about you, not everyone from where you're come gets to make it to thirty. I mean, what's Expanding that a little, if you could. But what's what were the obstacles that that you had around you? Well, I'm from um, the north side of Chicago. Um, the projects, to be of court, um, to be exact. Um, so it was a lot of like gun violence and stuff like that, and um, and I've seen a lot of kids that I grew up with that lives were taken from them from the gang violence and stuff like that, and I had to like basically take a different lane, um, which is basketball for me. And just, just to find a whole new a new vibe basically. And um going to school and stuff like that. I, I grew up with guys that dropped out of school and stuff like that. So the route that I took was obviously the great route and I'm blessed to be in that position. Is is it one of those things I mean it's that great cliche, this great American story that you know basketball keeps people on the you know the right side of the track. I mean, was, was it that simple for you? No, it wasn't simple at all because, like I said, these are the guys that are close to me. And, you know, if you're your closest friends, you want to always be with them and do whatever they want to do. But I knew what was right from wrong. I wasn't, I wasn't stupid or nothing like that. But 
and it was times I wanted them to just, you know what I'm saying, stop to do what they was doing and maybe come do what I was doing, but it was hard for them to do that. They didn't want to do what I wanted to do. They want to do their own thing, so it was definitely hard. Is that mom's influence once again? For sure. For sure. Mom, <laughs> dad, um, family members and stuff like that told me this is not the way. Your way is that way. Basketball, school, and stuff like that. And they told me to stay with it. Me staying with it, now I'm here, so thank God I listened. I mean, as great as, as the BBL and Cheshire is, I mean, this this is not the place where millions of millions are made and features are sealed. So what's, what for you is is beyond basketball now? What's the next 30 years have in store for Mike McCall? I actually want to stay in the game. I love basketball, man. Uh, I love kids, working with kids as well. So coaching is probably my next thing, next field I probably want to go into. I love uh, working with kids, love seeing people improve um, on their craft and willing to play and get better and stuff like that and listen. So coaching is definitely something I want to do when I'm done playing. Is there is there teaching things that you take from your dad in particular? Because not everyone is fortunate enough to have a parent to your yeah. kids kind of focus, focused on the fundamentals, which is quite atypical in lots of situations. I mean, is there, is there things there that you think, yeah, I can remember something he taught me. That's something I'm going to be teaching people in five, ten years' time. Yeah, absolutely. From coaches as well, uh, from that. And then I got I played for a lot of great coaches, and I went to camps. Like going to the camps, I paid attention uh, to stuff like that that I can that I was taught. Definitely have to teach it to the younger youth and stuff like that. So, and it's a lot of like um, when I was younger, we didn't have things like YouTube and all these apps and and um different outlets that you can look at these kids nowadays have i didn't have when i was younger so it's a lot more things they can look to as far as getting better and stuff like that but i can definitely use the knowledge that i was that i was given and um i can definitely give it to them last thing this kind of stays on the the getting better theme how much better where do you guys see the potential for the season at cheshire Every guy on this team is a hard worker. Uh, like you said, it's a very good team. We have good athletes, good professionals, guys that want to get better, guys that want to learn. I think if we just keep working as a team and getting better, uh, we can have a successful season because everybody's pretty much on the same page. We're just still trying to find and and cope together and get the little things all cooped up, and then I think we'll be fine. Keep washing hands and keep wearing masks and yeah, you know, yes. <laughs> <Definitely. laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> the important stuff. <laughs> well, we wish you all the very best for the rest of the season. Um, Mike, thank, thank you so much for joining us and, and spending your time with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. That is it for this edition of the MVP Cast, brought to you with our sponsors at Total Environmental Compliance. Search them out on Google or give them a follow on social at Total Compliance Limited. You can get all our previous editions at MVP247.com or subscribe via your podcast provider. Please leave us a review. Please, please, please. It really does make a difference. Or if you want to get in touch with me, reach out on Twitter at Mark Ripple. Another edition of the MVP Cast coming very soon. But from me, Mark Woods, it's bye for now.